G'day guys, welcome back to another episode of Caleb's Conversation Podcast. We're back after a little uh, COVID lockdown here in Brisbane and uh, today I am joined with Jess. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Hi Caleb, <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, I've been very impressed with your drive and enthusiasm and uh, your uh, forging of your career within the film industry and uh, I know that you're someone who has uh, a lot of passion and excitement for working in this industry uh, but before we kind of dive into your journey and what brought you to uh, this eventual spot um, I'm curious to ask you what was it about filmmaking that you wanted to pursue? Okay well um, in the beginning I think it was actually just to have a creative outlet I had done a lot of different careers uh, and pursued a lot of different careers within fashion and interior design and um, so I was really heavily leaning into the creative industry. I just didn't know um, what in what area that I would um, end up landing in. Um, but I also had a lot of different careers um, in business as well. So um, there was a time there where my husband and I um, started working together and through that um through that exchange, we had an agreement that I would set up his business and be his, his business development manager. And then after five years, I could pursue um, whichever industry that, you know, take my time. Yeah. It kind just, of sets you up in a good way, yeah. Excuse, yeah, just take my time to actually, I think before, like when you get out of school and throughout your life, um, you're sort of looking for where where's, where do you fit in and where's your purpose and wh what career is really going to help, um, you know, give you that, that next step, sort of place you into that next step where you can... Um, yeah, kind of set you up for life, yeah. Find your feet. And it changes a lot and I think that's um, something that a lot of people, some people find their art and their craft really, really early. Um, but for me it took a few different, a few trying my hand at a few different things and which they've all been actually looking back now and having my, um, having all these years studying and my career in film, looking back I've seen that those, all of those different industries that I was in actually lend, uh, lent a hand to the knowledge and the skill set that I have now. But originally in film, I mean, it's changed so many times what I, which department I actually want to work in. Um, but originally it was location scouting, so but it's changed since then. Yeah, because that's the big thing about working in the film industry is that there's so many different avenues that a film that requires these people to come together in order to create a film. Like you look on any credits of any film and you see how many people are required in order to bring this whole production together. And it's funny that you mentioned location scouting because that's something that I don't feel so many people are like instantly gravitating towards. And uh, I'm curious to ask you, what was it about location scouting that was like, that's what I want to kind of drive towards initially? Well, I think... Um Having the time to do something that I was naturally skilled at, so I was able to start this business and manage it um, quite, my skill set sort of, <clears throat> sorry, I'll start again. Um, yeah, having the time while I was creating and managing um, a business that wasn't within my industry, having that time to think about where my skill sets lied, um, where my skill sets yeah, it's a lighter word. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're right, yeah. 
Yeah, having that time to think about where my skill sets lied, um, I was led to, at first I thought, well, you know, I'm a storyteller. Um, so we really, I, I originally went to writing. Uh, I still write uh, often. Um, but yeah, I went to writing. So I was actually looking at doing a lot of different writing courses. And then as, as it progressed over the years, um, it was actually my husband, Darren, who pointed out um, while we were in Vegas. We were actually in Vegas and I was, I mean, Vegas is like a wonderland in itself. <laughs> I can imagine. I've never been, but from what I've seen, it looks like a crazy place to be, yeah. It is, yeah. It's really cool. You know, it's really American. Everything is the top of the top of the showmanship. Mm-hmm. So the buildings, the casinos, the stage shows, it's all extra. <laughs> it's so extra. So being in Vegas, you imagine that, you know, that's as the highest that your imagination could go. Um, but I'm walking through the Bellagio and like I'm imagining all of adding all of these extra prod design things yeah uh prod design things to to these really elaborate setups and so he was kind of just having a bit bit of a giggle and we um we left there and flew to Hawaii and we were doing a helicopter tour and I wanted to see where they'd filmed the Pirates of Caribbean and Jurassic Park oh yeah Cool. Yeah, so it was an awesome experience. We were like flying high above, what like looking down to see like just the enormity of these locations that they were shooting in. And the pilot said, oh, you know, like this is where they shot Jurassic Park. <laughs> you probably can't imagine it because it's just a bunch of trees. And yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> like I'm just like in awe because I could see it. And that's what Darren said to the pilot. He was like, actually, no, she can see she can actually see everything there like we'll be walking along down the coast and we've got like this little track that across north strati and um we'll be walking along and it's winter and all the trees are dead and i'll just kind of like jump out and be like could you imagine like a zombie apocalypse here and everyone's like no jess no we couldn't but thank you for putting that in our minds now it's so funny because like that's what i feel like so many creative people can do is they can look at a situation or they can look at a location and just like create something out of it and that's what i find really interesting about what you're saying is that you know, something like that where there's just a bunch of trees, how someone like, you know, Steven Spielberg back in the day and his locations team would have looked at that and been like, that's where this we want to shoot. This is the place. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny. That, this yeah. is gold. We've found it. Exactly, right? Because, <laughs> like, that's a huge thing within location scouting um, as a department is that not only do you have to find the right place that looks apart, but it also needs to make sure that it's the right place so that it's feasible to actually shoot there. Yeah. Because you can find a beautiful location, like a beautiful beach or maybe a cliffside that's you know got a great view. Yeah. But if you can't get the cameras and the crew and yeah. all this sort of, you know, electronics there, you can't yeah. you can't do it. So Power, that's one of the safety. important Yeah, that's one of the important things that I feel like kind of adds the extra element and dynamic to that role. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it is really hard because it is the foundation of everything that the director's vision is um, needs to be able to tell that story and translate it from real life onto screen. So foremost, the for me, coming into film, it was always location. I... I just had this imagination and um, and I love um, being really active. So I love exploring, I love traveling. And so I thought, well, in the beginning, I just was kind of looking for something cool to do that was, um, you know, I had my, my financial foundation set up. So I was looking for something that would really just embrace my creative side. And I thought, well, who wouldn't love to 
like travel and explore and then get paid for that and exactly, be yeah. part of a creative team that makes something really magical and really like far out out of um or not even magical but even like realistic like depending on you know the story and the genre who wouldn't love to be a part of that so 100 it's it's that's what <clears throat> drives so many people to be creatives in this industry is that sort of you know the ability to really create anything and if you've got the right people you know the right crew and you've got a bit of money on your side, then anything's really possible. And that's what's so exciting about this industry, I feel like. Um, yeah, so I think that I, I really like that too. I love the ability to create and use our imagination. And then on the flip side of it, there's also that intertwining of reality and real human emotions that really drive your story. Um, your characters, whether they're, um, um, you know, um, created or, or real life. Um, yeah, where there's like a biopic or something like that. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that was why I came to film school and we were all like, I can't believe we didn't think about this before. And um, so, yeah, storytelling was always somewhere that I wanted to be. I mean, in, even in fashion, fashion is about um, storytelling through your creative process of fabric and colour and cut and... Um, so it's the same with film. It's and the storytelling. Um, it's the same with film with storytelling. It's all about taking that story and like weaving it all together and delivering a product that's going to speak to your audience. Mm. No, I'm really liking a lot of what you're saying because one of the big things about being a human being is able to express your creativity in a way that relates to your fellow human, right? And that's why I find movies and especially the cinema experience so captivating because, you know, you're in this dark room or you're, and you're all watching the same thing and you can all still have a very similar, deep, innate emotional experience. And uh, that's why I've always gravitated towards movies and why I've always really enjoyed them. So you and I went to film school together. So I'm just curious to ask, because um, you touched on it briefly, what was it that you were doing before film school? Uh, was it like business or fashion or what, what was it what, that you were doing? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I've always been in business, um, but I was studying fashion and interior design throughout throughout my um, my my career. I've been sort of trying to touch into the creative arts to see where I um, naturally um, align with. Mm -hmm. But within business, yeah, I uh, was working with my husband. Uh, we have a company, Superior Curb, <laughs> Superior Curb and Concreting. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, we created this company and at first it was really, really hard because I'd never actually been in the construction industry before. So I really had to just sort of land on my feet and just sink or swim. And so here I was um, speaking with contractors and engineers and foremen and really trying to get um, an understanding for the business, which Darren knew I would be able to do. This is why he asked me to come on board with him and um, said that, you know, give me five years. Um, we've got an industry that we know is really lucrative and we'll be able to create a pretty solid foundation. So um, if we can establish that, then we can set ourselves up and then I'd be able to um, have a look, take that time to really have a look to see where it was that I fit in. And uh, he actually called it. He was oh, like, he? it's not going to be fashion. I was like, uh, excuse me, 
that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny but, because you, like that's so important as I feel like if you can kind of get a solid foundation for what you want to do and then kind of springboard from that, I feel like that can really set you up in, in some really cool ways. So. Yeah. I mean, I was so fortunate. I was really, really fortunate for that. I didn't feel that way in the beginning. I was like, oh, I, I don't want to do this. But it was actually amazing because having all of that experience working in a different industry that's really really fast-paced a lot of changes weather dependent um and then you know with such a high safety aspect I actually came into film school with a little bit of an edge when it comes to the business side of film because I already understood um uh, risk assessments I already understood safety procedures how to shut down a road how to order you know traffic um traffic controllers and uh, police escorts and council permits. So all of these things were already, I was already really well versed in. So um, it might be a nightmare for some people though when I'm on set because I'm like, ah, sorry, Tame, we might have to, you know, we're going to have to change that up a little bit. But that's what you want. You want to work with people who not only want to get the the story done, done with a quality, to a quality standard, but also within like safety perimeters because that's your main concern is taking care of your team and being able to deliver the story that's so important is that being able to work within a creative team that can also see this logistical side of things and then kind of mesh these together in a way that is time efficient cost efficient and that is kind of just good for morale i guess and that's so important within a a team-based environment Um, is that one of the things that you kind of um, you would agree um, allowed you to kind of benefit um, in your previous stuff with the um, construction and all that with regards to your teamwork and kind of um, working within that team environment that kind of transferred those skills into film school. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah, 100%. And I did a I did a brief period about five years with a medical company. Um, so I have a really, really strong understanding of OH&S. So I think What's that? OH&S. Um, office health and safety. Oh, okay. So occupational. Yes. <laughs> occupational health and safety. Yeah. So um, I think the business side behind film, I think a lot of people forget that. And I think that's where sometimes they, I mean, it sounds boring to some people, but then like producers, <laughs> they love this stuff. Exactly, this is, yeah. This is where you want someone on board that um, you can really trust and understand that. A business is going to help the creative artists have a structure to deliver a product. And I think um, new upcoming filmmakers really should lean into Screen Queensland and Screen Australia for that kind of support, advice and and, um, and guidance because they are our national um, funding companies that support the film industry within Australia. So they've got some really amazing uh, people and really amazing support, um, podcasts and um, just so much information there to be able to access, that we can access, to be able to... Um, help people who may not have as much experience with the business side of film but are just really super creative and want to be a part of um a part of the industry so Hmm. so you did all these different things that kind of set this foundation for you you mentioned working with construction with your husband working in some uh, medical type stuff as well um and then also you know the logistical side of of what running a business what was it that after doing all this was like, okay, I need to make this change and film is what it wants to be? What was that sort of uh, light bulb moment for you? The light bulb moment? Well, apart from my friends all saying that, um, you know, like I'm always making up stories, just telling them little stories, like um, not as in 
fables or lying or anything. Just I'd be like, oh, could you imagine if this happened? Or I would read something um, about mermaids or I'd see some sort of news broadcast about the, you know, police some sort of police action and from that I would just have a little giggle and make up stories and like and then this happened and so it was this moment where my friends and family were like can you please just stop messing around and accept that you're a storyteller and just get into your writing and it's film like just go and um express that express in an outlet that you can do that outlet. yeah And for me as well, there was like so many things happening in my personal life that actually were um, breaking through a shift in elevation when I was like growing up. And I realised that I actually have been, I've lived such a diverse life coming from a lower income family um, and growing up and working really hard and um, shifting and changing throughout those different um, environments to... um, how can I say it, to this level where I knew that I had, like, if I, sorry. You had the ability within you. Yeah, you know, like I I have this really, you know, I see, I see in puzzles and I always have this really energetic positive value but I also understand the darkness. Like I understand the flip side of life when things don't go right, when a whole series of events can, you know, really... Um, monopolize and and cause such you know drastic events so I have like this whole rounded sense of empathy really where a lot of my time is best spent one-on-one with people so if I can have this kind of energy and this interaction where people become my friend and I hear about their hardships but also their um, the moments where they've really you know excelled and and conquered then I think for me, I was like, well, I have this ability to not only bring that out of people, but to be really honest and authentic and share my own stories. So why not put that on a platform that could possibly help people who don't have access to this kind of openness, where, which is what I think film is? No, I'm in 100% agreement. I think that's very important is having the ability to connect with people in deep, meaningful ways. And especially within this industry where, you know, you do come across some people that are not the best to work with and sometimes you form connections where it's just like that didn't work out in the best, in our best interest. You're going to find, yeah, yeah, you're going to find people like that everywhere in every industry that you work in. And yeah, and sometimes it doesn't always work out the way that you plan, but there's always a lesson and I know that is everywhere everyone always says oh there's a you know silver lining to the rainbow or uh, all of these beautiful beautiful um ideas but it's not until you go through it in hindsight and you look back you say ah yeah they're they're so right you know sometimes where you have to take one step forward and two steps back you know in the moment it can be frustrating and, and you know the challenges around that can be really difficult to overcome but sometimes when you look back and you have that hindsight you're able to be like, that was beneficial for my development, not only in my, maybe in my career or my education, but also as a person. And uh, I feel like, you know, sometimes you get, might get formed into um, group dynamics or, or working in a team project where you don't have the best uh, environment. But in my opinion, at least, I think when you do find the great people to work with and you do form those bonds and you're really working within a really enthusiastic, energetic team, they're the moments where you really, really... Um, 
are grateful to be uh, a part of a something, especially something like film, where it's so team orientated and requires so many people to be working together in a way that is beneficial, so that the whole project is um, going to be entertaining for people to watch. Because that's ultimately why we create films and any sort of artistic pieces for people to consume that in a way that is meaningful yeah it's either informational or escapism and people really need that especially nowadays with covid um it's you know a pandemic something that we as our well our generation hasn't been through before so more so than ever we're needing to lean into um film as a way of being um entertained because of so many lockdowns there's a lot of people at home not being able to go out um, and see you know the family and travel so films become really important and I think also it's been like there's there's been all of these things that have happened to the film industry through this that have been like really crushing soul crushing just like so so much disappointment you know like especially for our um our cohort like we we're ready, ready. To, we were hitting the ground running, and we were ready to go. And then COVID was just like, no, yep. you're not. Sorry. It's almost as <laughs> if we smashed seat. into a brick wall. It's just like, nope. <laughs> Take a seat. But I mean, if you look at the positives of it, there's been like some really good things that have come out of it. So, uh, Less Studio Productions has allowed women in film to be able to make a rise. There's been a huge rise of female directors. That I mean, we've had a lot of female directors over the years, but none that have really made such a big impact. Um, we've had a lot more queer films coming to um, coming to light and coming actually getting getting some momentum and getting seen instead of being monopolised and crushed by all of the main um, you know the big huge studio productions and, and nothing against the studio productions. I would love to and I cannot wait to be on a massive production to see how the team work on such a big scale. Um, I just recently worked on a Steve Jaggy production, um, Steve Jaggy Company production. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, um, uh, You, Me and the Penguins, uh, directed by Christine Levy. And it was incredible to see. The teams are just so cohesive and the cameras are massive and they're, like, on these big trolleys and there's just, like, there's so much that goes into it and they work really, really hard. And it was, uh, yeah, it was really, really exciting to be on that set and to see. So that's another example of how, um, you know, even through COVID, they managed to shoot, um, you know, they just had to, they just had to change and sort of uh, move with the times. Problem solve, yeah. Problem solve, yeah. And so that was really exciting. And yeah, I'm really, I think that we are starting to, to merge with how the industry is changing and we're starting to embrace COVID as best as we can and show that, um, yeah, that we that can we, kind can, of, yeah. We, we can pull through anything, honestly. Yeah. You know, when we put your mind to it and, you know, you're all striving towards one goal and, you know, it depends on, you know, certain restrictions and stuff, but, you know, you can really put your mind to anything and get it done if you have the right people involved and you have that determination and grit because so many people can, you know, have a setback and give up. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, determination and and, and is so important, especially within the film industry, but I feel like just in life, it's so important to have resilience. And if you don't have that, then you won't get very far in life. And I think that's so important is to have a positive outlook on life. And when you take, like I said earlier, when you take two steps back, 
making sure that those steps forward that you do take in the future are always positive and meaningful. Yeah, well, I mean, the human race is, that is one of our biggest achievements, I think, is being able to be versatile and being able to shift and move. And that's why I'm not too scared when people um, start to really lean into that energy of not knowing what the future is going to hold, whether it be environmentally or um, within our politics. And I just kind of um, give them a little, just a little, um, yeah, a little smile and like, just be like, you know, we, we are, the human species is so resilient. We can, you know, just problem solve and move through all of these things. And um, there's a lot of heartache sometimes, but, you know, usually I'm always championing for us because at the end of the day, um, you know, we have these massive breakthroughs and we continue to survive. So, Mm. and being a filmmaker, that's the stories that get interwoven into no matter what your genre is. Um, these are the stories that our stories that get interwoven into um, these films, and then and then that's how we relate. Mm. Um, now, question for you: um, Have you always been Brizzy based, or because like obviously coming to film school here in Brisbane, um, did you have to relocate, or have you always been here in Brisbane? Um, yeah, no, mainly mainly here in Brisbane. I'm. Um, yeah, I've lived in a few places, but no, I didn't have to relocate. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's always handy because I know um, that some people have to like travel all the way from the Gold Coast. Oh, and, sorry. <laughs> and here, there and everywhere. So I can I can assume like sometimes it's a, it's a long travel to come up to film school. Um, but I'll say one of the things that you were talking about previously is that how you love to travel and how within uh, you know the film landscape, how you have that possibility to kind of travel here, there and everywhere. And uh, I was just curious, like, is there any places, I know we're in COVID and the, the ability to travel overseas is not very uh, available to us, um, but are there places around the world that, you know, you'd love to go and visit one day? I have been uh, very fortunate to have done a lot of travelling. So um, travelling is Where are some of the places you've been? Um, I have, well, obviously Australia and New Zealand. My mum's New Zealand Māori, so we um, we travel backwards and forwards between Australia and New Zealand. So really, really sad that the bubble is not open because yes. I just, yeah, that's that needs to get sorted, seriously. Um, but, yeah, I've done America, Asia, Europe. Um, so I've done... Here, a, there and everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So ticking, awesome. ticking off the boxes just... Um, trying to, yeah, trying to go to the places that I've always dreamt about going. And um, I think I started travelling late. So um, once Darren and I created our company and it was really solid, we started travelling um, to make up for all of the years that um, we weren't fortunate enough to travel when we were younger. So, yeah, we've been, gosh, all over the place. San Francisco, Vegas, New York, um, LA, uh, Miami, Hawaii, Japan, Tokyo. Um, That's where they uh, just held the Olympic Games, right? Tokyo? Yes, yeah. yes. And it was, it was so good. I thought the Open Ceremony. Did you watch much of the Olympic yes, Games? Yes, I did. Yeah. Also, I watched a, a bit of it, but I was like um, disappointed that I didn't get to see more of the different sports and stuff. Okay, yeah. Like, because I would have loved to see more table tennis and, and boxing and all the other more niche sports. Um, but I feel like we kind of got more of uh, the Well, the you're more in sport. You know yeah, why yeah. they're covering them. <laughs> the, I know, I the know. The major ones. But that was one of the things I was uh, um, 
uh, I found interesting about the coverage um, of the Olympics was how it kind of focused on the main sports. You know, I think you've got a point there and you should probably, um, you should probably pitch that to your producers mm. that if they did have a more vers- like more variety, if they covered more variety, then you'd probably I- encapsulate a whole new audience. You'd c- bring in a lot more people um, who, yeah, would be really keen to see those sports. Well, that's the thing about the Olympics is that you're bringing together um, so many places from around the world into one location to kind of, you know, show off human excellence. And, you know, I think that's what makes the Olympics so special for so many people is that, you know, you have this camaraderie of not only your own nation, but um, the whole world, really. And that's what I think is so um, cool and exciting about the Olympics is that you have this sort of sporting environment and you get to see people do these incredible things that you would never normally see in normal life. And uh, I know this year we had some interesting sports come into, I think like rock climbing was now in the Olympics. Surfing. And, uh, surfing. Skateboarding. And skateboarding. Yeah, like some really niche stuff that you wouldn't normally see. But not see. netball. Netball. Like, yeah, I was I know, like, right? come on. Yeah. Like they just didn't want us to win. Or Maybe. Zealand, no? well, I'm just joking. That's, that's one of the funny things, though, is that there's so many different sports out there, and it's interesting to see um, what ones the Olympics brings on board and, and they um, what ones they tend to add exposure towards. Because mm. um, something like rock climbing is like you wouldn't necessarily think as a sport, but when you see it within a competitive landscape and, you know, I think, oh, that could be really exciting to watch. Um, so stuff like that was really, really cool. And, uh, um, uh, yeah, this year it was obviously held in uh, Tokyo. I think the next one's in Paris. Um, but obviously something that you and I are very aware of is in 2032, Brisbane's got the Olympics. So, yeah, yeah that's also very exciting as well. I'm excited for that. Mm. I am excited to see Brisbane hold the Olympics. I think Brisbane's been growing not only on a film platform but an international platform. I think it's really good that um, we're going to be able to host the Olympics. That's going to change a lot of things for a lot of people. I mean, I, I felt sorry for... Um, Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I feel I feel sorry for Tokyo because they, you know, they they got this this golden ticket to host the Olympics and unfortunately for them it was during a uh, terrible time. During a terrible time. Yeah. But they did a really good job. They did a I really think so good as job. Well, yeah. And I think you mentioned like you mentioning that, you know, there's all these new sports incorporated into the Olympics just goes to show and highlight what you were saying before about how people are wanting new things and they are wanting to see variety. So I think maybe, um, yeah, it's time for them to start also broadcasting those different... Um, I agree. ..those different sports. Yeah. As great as the Olympics is, I still think the Olympic Committee should pay its athletes considerably more. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it's ridiculous that the athletes who are the ones that bring in this viewership and the broadcast dollars aren't getting compensated. But oh, well, that's I mean, a political look at issue our, for another time. Yeah, look at our actors. Our actors get, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the benefits so our sports stars I mean basketball like uh, competitive sports get paid a lot of money so I think our sports stars and athletes within the Olympics should be paid the the same amount Mm. Um, it's just uh, yeah as you said it's just the turnover and that revenue that they're bringing in to be able to um, attach that to their their athletes is where they probably need to think about their marketing campaigns and um their business sponsors, strategies. Sponsors, yeah. yeah, their business strategies again. But, you know, they're, they're the Olympic Committee. I'm sure they've looked at all of these things. I don't know why they don't pay the athletes athletes more money. I don't know. Either. I don't know. I haven't either. done enough research into it. So. No, but, but it is a good, um, it's a good point to bring up. Mm. It's a really good point to bring up. I mean, imagine being the world's fastest man and, like, 
you're getting paid what? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, no. Mm. Uh, now, one of the things you just mentioned before was um, acting and stuff. And uh, this is what I want to jump into now is that you've um, had a little bit of experience with acting, but you've also done some casting in, in your time. Yes. Um, so I was just curious to ask you now, what were some of the things that you learned through that experience? Because working with actors and, and being in a landscape where you are in front of a camera um, or you're in the opposite dynamic where you're looking for talent in order to acquire them to put them in front of a camera. What do you think is best about that dynamic and what have you learnt from that over your time? Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. For me, this is a huge one because I think that this is where I really did so much like personal growth. I did a lot of work with Peter Rasmussen. He's amazing. He's an amazing, um, an amazing coach, an amazing mentor, and an amazing casting agent. Like he's just all round fabulous, Pete. He's just so great. Yeah, I've worked with him before. He's he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. he really is. He's just the authentic as they come. So, um, but really stern, but really focused, and just got a wealth of knowledge. So, um, yeah, I did some work with him and. Um, and that's where I did a lot of my growth. We were studying Uta Hagen. And Uta is an acting coach. Um, she's just, she's been around for a very long time. I'm probably not the best person to actually talk about her or to, you know, sing her praises because I'm not that versed on her. But I did the I did the course and we studied her and that was where I had like a really, a really big breakthrough. I mean, she's not a psychologist, she's an acting uh, coach. Um, but she worked very closely with the psychologists in breaking down the human psyche and the human emotion mm. and how we as um, as actors and film filmmakers need to actually break down the human psyche in order to then rebuild it and deliver it on screen because we don't have, you know, 36 years to <laughs> show you somebody's life until this pinnacle moment. We've got to break that down really quickly. Yeah, that's a good point. And really authentically too, because the audience will be able to tell. And Pete taught me this. He said, you know, a lot of people think that acting is lying, but actually it's the bad actors that you can, an audience can see when there's a lie. I mean, we do not need to be spoon fed. We are very intelligent people. So um, a very intelligent species. So Acting, uh, if you think that you can just get up and lie and fake your way through it, the audience is going to see through that in, in, uh, immediately. So to be really encompass uh, acting and to really give it um, the dignity, like the just uh, justify the character's experience and their journey, you have to really, really delve into that empathetic, um, empathetic side of yourself, that empathy, because it's there that you will find why we actually can even relate to the villain. Hmm. The villain has to have, and we've learnt this in film school, the villain has to have something that you can associate or you can um, relate to or have some sort of sympathy for. Yeah, you otherwise, come to an understanding, yeah. Yeah, otherwise you're just going to be like... <laughs> absolutely appalled like just completely hate this villain and so it's the same with um it's the same with your um hero with your hero yeah it's that you have to be able to relate it just can't be like he just can't walk walk out and be hercules 
Yeah. Like, you just be like, can't be a perfect I, specimen. Yeah, I could not achieve that or attain that. It has to be so relatable. And that, how you do that, even if you do have Hercules, even if you do have Superman or Batman or these, you know, figurative characters, they have to have this some sort of human element that we can relate to. And that's all done through the breakdown of psychology. So for me, working with Pete, Actually, the most thing I got out of film, like I got so much, don't get me wrong. I've been doing it for five years. I started at the Performing Arts Conservatory and then and then moved to Griffith to do my bachelor. So I did my advanced diploma, did my advanced diploma with um, the Performing Arts Conservatory and then my bachelor with Griffith. And I'll never stop learning. I actually want to do a few more things, a few more courses and while I'm working as well. But, um, yeah, for me, the biggest thing that I learned was this, um, release like this re-evaluation of self and through acting and through also through casting watching other people portray the characters that I knew so intimately um, you know there's 12 hours a day going through hundreds of people uh, doing the same uh, script or, or you know variations of that character um, you really, really get to see how so many different people perceive these really pivotal moments of the character's journey in a different way. And that's not um, at all a bad thing. It actually opens up your mind to be so much more compassionate and so much more inspired because you start to realise, wow, like we really are so complex. We are just so beautiful. We are so damaged and brutally broken and yet so empowering and magical and like just there's just all of these beautiful things about being human and how we all inter, uh, interact and how we all see those. So Yeah, you're speaking my language. I echo all these sentiments, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that was for me. That, that I think that's why we all resonate together and why our group at uni came together and all of the people throughout our journey there um, you can really see that there's so many empaths and just all, you know, really, really highly creative people who have such compassion mm. and on a realistic level where we're not, um, you know, we're not just expecting rainbows and butterflies or we're actually, you know, really, really there watching everything and sort of weaving it all back together to mm. create us. Well, stories. I also had a bit of experience with casting as well. And uh, that was one of the things yes, I... Yes, you did a massive job. Yeah, massive I did, job. yeah. So I obviously specialised in directing and casting and all that uh, at my time through uni. And uh, that was one of the things that I really found fascinating about the process is that how so many people can interpret a script in different ways because obviously a screenwriter creates the story a director interprets the story a casting director looks at the story and sees all right who is the best person to, to bring this story. to life yeah. and then you have an actor who looks at the script and says okay how do i perform this so when you have all these complex perspectives looking at the same words on a damn piece of paper it's fascinating to see yeah people kind of bring that to life and that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about that process is that you know actors you know some of them are good some of them are bad but when you find the right person for the character it's such a rewarding feeling and I think you'll agree that once you get the right person it's like wow that's yeah. that's this character that we created on this page and now that's them in person and I think that is one of the things I found most rewarding about the process so, uh, I agree I mean for me it was Marin Kane 
an upcoming a Brisbane upcoming actor. She's like an incredible actress, and I really, really fought for her. I, I, I mean, I loved everybody in the casting process, um, and then we did so many chemistry tests. We came back and we switched them all out and put them with each other in all different combinations. And for me, Marin was really standing out. Um, I just really, really could see that she worked really well because it's not just. It's also not just about the actor being able to portray the character. Yeah, it's about how they can respond to corrective uh, corrective criticism. Uh, how their rapport is with the director and um, whether or not they can take notes and shift um, without there being any kind of like personal um, grievance. Offense yeah, or, yeah, offense. So she was fantastic. She was fast on her feet. She was quick, you know, quick thinking, which is fast on your feet. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I'm not so fast on my feet So sometimes. Um, but she was amazing and so she has a really beautiful rapport with um, our director Anna Toomey and Anna's like vision was really really precise which is a really really loved working with Anna um, so her vision was precise she was really clear on what she wanted to deliver and so that can be hard sometimes if the actor is trying to also bring in their own energy into the character but because it had such beautiful rapport I could really see that this this would be a collaboration that would work, and there was a you know there was a few different um, times throughout that casting period that a few people weren't sure, and we were you know and this is what happens. It had nothing to do with Marin personally. It's just what happens within the casting process. Um, like you said before, getting the right person can really make or break a film. So um, with all of our hard work, I mean the team worked really really hard. Everyone at um, with Grad Slates did, but. Um, for Beacon they worked really 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 hard and so coming together at the end like um, it was worth it it was worth this vouching for Marin because I could just really see that she was going to deliver this and she was going to be able to bring to life what Anna had envisioned in her film and that's yeah one of the beauties about being um, a casting director is having that pride to be and dedication but pride to be able to say, uh, I was I was right. Yeah, you're almost <laughs> like the Nick Fury that brought the Avengers together. Sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but one of the most important things I feel about, if especially when you're working in that sort of pre-production landscape where you're acquiring talent, is uh, networking. That's such yes. an important thing, and that's one of the things I've always admired about you is that you're a very outgoing person who's uh, very. Uh, um, well versed in, in talking to people and getting to know them and understanding them and uh, I think that's one of the things that you're quite good at is networking and making these great connections with people uh, even after a, such a short time so what are, what are one of the things that you've um, learnt over your life that has kind of helped you with uh, networking uh, not only throughout your career overall but especially within the film industry especially wow thank you <laughs> I kind of, I really dig that because I'm actually an introvert. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, I don't yeah. believe that for a second. <laughs> oh, 100%. I am an introvert. So being able to network was something that I created in order to uh, feel comfortable um, in situations where I was around a lot of people. So, well, um, throughout my careers leading up to where I am now, that's what I did was I created this um, sort of, 
like strong version of me. <laughs> uh, and at first it was like it back in the day, it was actually quite fake and like a lot really smiley, like an, like a TV anchor, you know, like, oh, hi, yeah. welcome. <laughs> and I, sometimes I slip back into that too. I can be like, oh, smile. Like I think um, promotional modeling throughout my teenage years, like um, sort of helped with build that um, sense of confidence, but also had that really, you know, salesmanship <laughs> aspect to it. So sometimes my friends are like, okay, you can come back now. I'm like, oh, so sometimes I have to take a bit of time out to recalibrate. But yeah, at this age and where I am now, it's actually worked out really well for me because now I have a really strong sense of um, networking skills where I can sort of come into a room um, present myself, feel comfortable and talk to people on all different levels of uh, professionalism with while feeling confident and capable and sometimes that's really hard. So um, I think my advice for networking is do your research um, don't come in like some sort of weirdo. <laughs> like, please don't research like when they were married and their date of birth and their favorite color. And like, that's really over the top. It's a bit stalkerish. But if you're looking for something, like, be prepared. If it's funding you want or collaboration, or yeah, um, be precise in exactly what you are going to that event for, and just be authentic. Don't try to hide that you know like oh fancy seeing you here like well it goes back to what you were saying earlier about actors and stuff how you can see straight through it when they're performing a fake version of what the story is you can see straight through it and there's so many people out there that are the exact same thing where they're sort of putting on like you said like this smiley persona and you can see straight through it so yeah yeah, it's very important to be authentic yeah Yeah, we don't want an actor to fake we don't want an actor to deliver lines we want an actor to be the character so being the character is being authentic and just reading lines as jessica is being fake so it's the same as networking coming into a networking environment where you're looking to connect with somebody who you're really hopeful that you'll be able to have an introduction with and even have a moment of their time or perhaps you know gain access to a job that you're after people want to see like if I came in there and I was like oh, hi, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I've been working on this project and I can't wait to get you involved. They'd, they'd be like, okay, unless you've got some serious weight behind you, nobody cares about that sort of fake um, You don't want to come in with this sort of condescending aura around you. Yeah. yeah, fake, just be yourself, come in authentically. You've done your research, you kind of know who's in the room, you know where they're at, what they're doing, you know where you are um, aligning with and, and you mean go after that. But also be present, just be authentic, be there because you never know what opportunity is going to come up, who you're going to meet, what you're going to learn and actually those are the moments where um, you really actually, when you look back in hindsight, those are the moments that have been pivotal to most people's careers where they just be themselves, they just chill and they're able to really be present enough to meet the people that are going to actually really help them. And sometimes, like we said before, came into film thinking location manager, thought, cruise your job, get paid to go on holiday. That was like tick. <laughs> and then got into film, got further into film and was like, well, I'm really empathetic. 
so I want to really incorporate my writing. I'm creative, so writing. And then, oh, well, you know, I really have this really great demeanor with a lot of people and this ability to see outside of the square and see in patterns, so directing. Um, and then bringing in the business side of things, well, producing. So it's just like you just keep trying each sort of thing and then acting, come into acting. Oh, my gosh, so much self-healing. Like it's just it's a powerhouse of uh, collaboration. And so a little taste of each box doesn't hurt. I mean, it's good to be focused. And if you know your skill, like obviously camera operators, like DOPs, the skill set is demanding, hard and like very specific. Very specific. Um, so in that case, if you've been blessed to have, um, you know, to be really techno- um, good with technology and uh, have a good, really good eye and the really good creative energy that um, it all works and fits together, then focus on that. But don't be too hard on yourself coming straight out of uni and thinking that you have to deliver some sort of big Hollywood or, you know, major indie player um, achievement because what you have done so far is such an achievement in itself and what will be will be, it is it is going to fall into place. Just keep doing the work and what will come from it will be something even better than what you imagined. And it may, it may not be exactly what you thought it was going to be, but that's where um, when you can release, um, release that kind of anxiety, that's when it starts being fun again. That's when you start creating and vibing and being like, you know what, this is what I want to do and I love it and I'm full of passion for it. And you start surrounding yourself again with all of your um, friends and, and co-workers, co- um, collaborators, and that's where you can really pull some things together. Mm. I'm working on a film at the moment called um, Quantum Ride for GP2 Entertainment. And it is just so fun to see all of these different, again, to see all of the different um, departments coming together. We've got some amazing costumes coming through from a girl named Jess Martins, just really, really like outside of the square. Like she's getting, she's making armored suits with laser cutouts and like inlaid lights. And um, uh, Matt, Matt Weston, I think is the prod designer. Please forgive me, Matt. I'm sure it's Western. I'm sure it's Western. Um, yeah, amazing prod designer. He's coming up with all of these props as well, like that are just out of this world. It's just such a great team. And the amount of times that they've reworked the script to be able to encompass the director, Peter Cavari's um, vision, it's going to be really... I mean, it's hard because it's a cyberpunk film. So oh, really hard to deliver, yeah, really hard to deliver. A lot of si- um, a lot of special effects and that sort of thing. So um, I've got a lot of faith in them and it's like it's going to be really, really fun. We start shooting next week. Oh, very yeah, exciting. It is. It's really exciting. So um, I can't wait for that to all come together. Uh, so obviously you've talked about all these sort of uh, different avenues Uh, and skill sets that you've acquired through your time at film school, what was the one thing that you reflect on and that you take out of it and say, that was a a really poignant moment in my uh, time at film school? Can you pinpoint it to just one thing? Or was it too much of a collection of uh, too many things? Um, What was the one thing that you you learned that was really profound and you said, okay, I'm going to take this with me into my future endeavours? I think that while well, there was a lot of things, um, yeah, really, really hard to pinpoint that. Um, 
I mean, apart from the authenticity and knowing that every voice is valid, like that there's a platform that is needed for your voice. Um, because I think as we come, you know, we see so many different um, franchises and companies really diluting to like a similar, a similar tone. And I know that's necessary in some aspects of business, but and in film and storytelling. But yeah, I think it's really important to remember that if you've been through it and it's your story, then it's valid. And that's all there is to it, really. If you've felt it, then the chances are somebody else has too. And so I think that's, yeah, that's really important. Um, but as for film school, um, the biggest thing I think I took away from Griffith was understanding the collaboration process between each department. I used to think that it was very, very much the producer and the director um, responsible for the, like for leading the way. But in fact, when you sit down at that table with all the hoods, Hoods, hoods. Hazard I always say hoods. <laughs> it's like, gangster, what? <laughs> um, yeah, with all the heads of department, when you sit down at that table, every person at that table is going to bring in a crucial element that, yes, of course, the director has to has to be responsible for and the producer back to the house. Um but, yeah, I think for me it was that. It was like, listen, learn how to listen. Learn how as much as you are creative, as much as we are all creative, learning how to listen is so important because we might have so much vision and so much, you know, um, like, yeah, so much clear vision and so we might be thinking, no, I, I know exactly how I want this to look and sometimes if we don't sort of sit back for a moment and allow those other creative energies to present themselves, then you're going to miss a really, you, you could possibly miss something really important. And um, yeah, the more creative voices you can get uh, behind the film while keeping, you know, got to can't be too, too crazy or can you? I don't know. <laughs> no, sorry, no, you can't. Keeping in focus, obviously, but that was what I learned was allow allow other people to present and um, and listen because, yeah, you might miss out on some gold. Yeah, it's very important to be a multifaceted and try and acquire as many skills as you can, um, whether whatever stage of life you're in, whether you're coming through high school, going through uni, learning new skills, meeting new people, or whether you're in your career. I think it's always important to always maintain a sense of enthusiasm and always keep learning. The day you stop learning is when you become stagnant and that's when things become boring or can become stale. And uh, when you become uh, into, or when you move into a lifestyle that's very monotonous, and I feel so many people, you know, get jobs where it's nine to five and they do the same thing every day. They're working in a corner office and it's not very fulfilling. And I think Fulfill that's... It, not very fulfilling for a creative artist. Yeah. But there are, you know, there's different, I mean, a neurotypical person um, who operates within that um, structure, um, a nine to five job is more than um, empowering for them because they like structure. And so I always say that there's some people who live to work and some people who work to live. 
And so for some people, uh, nine to five is either a passion, like for instance, a doctor. A doctor works nine to five, but they're passionate about it. And they can actually, for them, fulfilling that that everyday monotonous, 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 <laughs> monotonous, that everyday monotonous, monotonous, <laughs> that everyday routine yeah. for, for a doctor. Um, yeah. So for a doctor fulfilling that everyday routine, it's quite satisfying. Um, and then I've got other friends who are, um, uh, are laborers and for them it's not actually about their job they're actually got, got so much energy and so much coordination skills that they really need a job that they're really expelling that energy throughout the day and it's not their career that they excel in it's after when they're involved in surfing or wakeboarding or motorbike riding or um or martial arts that's where their passion is so their career supports their lifestyle whereas for filmmakers it's the other way for creative artists we uh we live to work we want to be working we want to be on set because that's where our our job is actually our passion so they it merges into into the same thing mm. no i'm in 100% agreement and i guess the 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 overall point that I'm trying to make is I feel like as long as you find something in life that brings you happiness, yeah. I think that's so important is that like it's very easy to just kind of slip into something that's comfortable and, and cruisy and, you know, gets you by day to day. But if you can find something that really truly brings you happiness yeah, and day to day you can, you know, go to work and actually enjoy being at work or, you know, you go on holiday and you can actually enjoy being around friends or family and stuff. I think that's so important is to be be around people that are not only giving you the best, but are also best for your development as well. And I think that's uh, very important in life. So yeah, don't get too held down into thinking that what it what is is it um, what it is is it. Don't yeah, don't get too held down with thinking that how it is is how it's going to be forever. Because yeah, you're right about that. It just mm. gets really you don't give yourself any chance to grow, and um, and that's what film's all about is making sure that you um, deliver a, 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 an entertaining product that shows people about how even in, um, even in you know, the most boring of situations, the human psyche is still going through um, so many lessons of self-growth or, or not. I mean, <laughs> we're not, I don't even want to begin to imagine like how the psyche is of a serial killer mm. or... Um, or even the psyche of somebody who has given up and is not trying, like, that's too, like, <sighs> I, I can't, now my brain's gone dead. Now yeah. my brain's gone dead. <laughs> well, it's one of those things is I feel like, yeah, there's so many different avenues to being a human being and I think it's always important to surround yourself with good people and uh, hopefully find something in life that you can be fulfilling. And, and the one thing I will also say is sometimes the journey isn't always a quick journey, you know. Sometimes the destination that you inevitably want to reach takes a long time. But it's each step that you take along your journey and the adventure that you go on that helps define you as a person, yeah. you know, creates your personality that is, you know, responsible for how you are inter or how you are interacting within the world that is beneficial for your own lifestyle, but also for society as well. And I think that's very important is that people, you know, find a passion in life, whether it's through their career or outside of life, or, you know, they have a really good, strong bond with their family or friends. 
um, finding that happiness and desire in life I think is very important and the thing that I want to kind of uh, wrap up this episode with is um, a couple or three very uh, distinct questions so the first question I'm going to ask you is uh, what are you personally striving for for me yeah um like within the next couple of years or like my yeah, life my total life short term <laughs> long term I'll leave it up to you dealer's choice um, striving for at the moment. Um, so at the moment I am, I'm writing. Um, so for me, I've been doing a lot of work with Joseph Campbell's, um, A Hero with a Thousand Faces and The Hero's a Journey. A fantastic book, yeah. Yeah, incredible. And um, i tell you what, that book has just changed my life because his study of mythology and religion has really, um, really been such an eye-opener um, within sort of balancing out a lot of my own principles that I've um, been raised with. So that I was reading, um, I was so in love with the book that I was reading, I was reading it and highlighting it while listening to the audiobook. Nice. So I've read it a couple of times now. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, through that process, I mean, we've all been taught that there's been a lot of really great films to come out of that book. And um, so I was like, really, how? <laughs> I was like, okay, you're going to have to show me. Just prove it. So, you know, um, do- dove into that book. And, yeah, I mean, I can, see, I can see where a lot of the stories have come from. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's totally Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. There's um, Star Wars. Yeah, and that sort of thing. Actually, even um, Stanley, I was like, Stan, you. Um, there's Spider Woman. And I was like, oh. What? I was like, okay, probably Spider-Woman wasn't ready like back in that time, so thanks for bringing a Spider-Man. But I was like, wow, I wonder if that's where he, um, where his, you know, I've heard the story of how he created Spider-Man, but I'm wondering if that was his inspiration. So reading this book has just been so valuable to me as well. So um, I got an idea from it and I've been um, chipping away at writing that. It's really, really big. Mm. So um, hopefully I'll be able to like, um, fine-tune it and put it all together um, I, I got a little bit of anxiety there for a bit because I was like oh you know it's taken me so long to to write this and I'm really scared and um, I did a couple of master classes in writing and just re- refreshed my um, myself on, on uh, the structure of it so I've um, at the moment I've got I've got the entire plot, like I've got the entire journey um, right from the inciting incident uh, to the resolution and I'm working on character development at the moment. So um, it's been a really, really big journey because when when I started the character development, I accidentally started writing their backstory. So now I've got all of these stories that, um, yeah, really helpful to merging and building this world um so for me it's a long journey and I'm actually really content with that I've had some friends who um you know are like you need to be doing something now and um you really should have already presented something of your own like of my own work I've been doing heaps of things with people and collaborating which I love doing 
And that's why I always um, end up taking a lot of time on my own things because I love working with people so much that I'm always pushing everyone else's projects across the line. It might be it might be a little bit of self-sabotage, but I love it. I love, People ring me up and they're like, Jess, do you have this? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Jess, can, can, can you get me a truck? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, can we please, you know, can, can you help this? Can, can you help us with this and that? So I'm like, yeah, too easy. So learning to learning to put that energy into my own work is um, one of my biggest lessons. So I'm doing that at the moment. That's the biggest thing that I've got going on um, apart from uh, Quantum Ride uh, for myself is, yeah, writing writing that film. What so that's do you, exciting. No, that's very, very exciting. I like everything you just said, yeah. So what do you think the world should be striving for? Ah, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> It's a big question. Well, just let us out of lockdown could start. That could be a good start. Um, let's get the let's get flights back up and happening. International um, travel, yeah. Yeah, international travel. Um, the world. Um, you know, honestly, if I could say one thing that we need to do is we need to um, really stop being so easily. I think easily um, s- separated. I think that if we all just kind of chill and. Um, just remember that, you know, we're just, everyone is just somebody else's daughter. Everyone else is just somebody else's son. If we can come back to that, I think, then it'll be um, a lot less judgmental and more collaborative. And No, I agree. I think it's so important is that, you know, we come to a sense of understanding amongst us. And I think that's very, very important is that, you know, people, we're all going on the same journey. So that, that journey might be different for everyone, but we're all you know, wanting to live the best life that we can. And uh, I think if we have a level of understanding amongst people, regardless of what you believe or what you enjoy doing in life, I think understanding is is going to be something that we should be striving for, uh, both in the short term and in the long term. That's what I think. So yeah, now the last thing I want to kind of end this podcast on is uh, a little speech uh, from a, a man that many people will know, George Lucas. Um, he, <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. gave a pre- he gave a presentation at some, uh, or he gave some sort of like lecture at some sort of, um, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I wanted to leave us with what he said here. And I could paraphrase and, and, and reword what he said, but I think it's better if it comes straight from the man's mouth because I think he is a genius and he has a very unique perspective on life and on happiness and I think that's how we're going to leave today's episode is with what what he says here so I'm going to want to play it for us now one thing I discovered along the way this is just under a three minute clip by the way is that several speakers have talked about happiness and I've discovered along the way that happiness you have you live in two worlds here happiness is pleasure and happiness is joy you know, it can be either one. You add them up and it sort of falls under the uber category of happiness. Pleasure is short-lived. Uh, it lasts an hour, lasts a minute, lasts a month. Um, and it uh, peaks and then goes down. It peaks very high. But the next time you want to get that same peak, you have to do it twice as much. You know, it's like drugs. You, know, just, you have to keep doing it because it insulates itself. No matter what it is, whether you're shopping, uh, whether you're, uh, you know, engaged in any other kind of pleasure uh, that all has the same quality about it. On the other hand is joy and 
joy is a thing that doesn't go as high as pleasure in terms of your emotional reaction, but it stays with you. Joy uh, is something you can recall. Pleasure, you can't. Uh, so the secret is that even though it's not as intense as the pleasure, the joy will last you a lot longer. Um, and people who get the pleasure, they keep saying, well, if I can just get richer and get more cars, you know, I can, I'll never, you'll never relive the moment you got your first car. That's it. That's the highest peak. Yes, you can get three Ferraris and a new uh, uh, Gulfstream jet, and maybe you'll get close. But you have to keep going, and eventually you run out. I mean, you just can't do it. It doesn't work. So if you're trying to sustain that level of peak pleasure, you're doomed. It's a very American idea, but it just can't happen. You just let it go. Peak, great. Pleasure is fun. It's great. But you can't keep it going forever. Just accept the fact that it's here and it's gone. And maybe again it'll come back and you'll get to do it again. Joy lasts forever. Pleasure is purely self-centered. It's all about your pleasure. It's about you. It's, about, it's a selfish, self-centered emotion that's created by a self-centered motive of greed. Joy is compassion. Joy is giving yourself to somebody else or something else. And it's a kind of thing that is, in its subtlety and lowness, much more powerful than pleasure. If you get hung up on pleasure, you're doomed. If you pursue joy, you will find everlasting happiness. So with that, I'm gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you. I think that's a very profound message. And when you think about George Lucas and the stories he created with the original trilogy of Star Wars and the prequel trilogy and how this logic applies to Anakin Skywalker and of course Luke Skywalker as well I think it makes a lot of sense and I think that man is a genius not only with the stories that he has told but with his outlook on life. Oh, and his resilience. I mean, he, uh, the very first screening of Star Wars, he didn't even attend. And he was, um, it was reported that he was just so, like, he was actually worried it was just going to be a massive flop. So he didn't want to be there to experience that kind of pain and embarrassment. And, you know, I mean, if you had of if his self now could go back and tell his younger self that, hey, you're going to create a franchise that's going to be an empire, like not just, not just the empire, like yeah. it's going to be an empire that's going to last for generations and give so much, you know, joy joy and satisfaction and um and inspiration to so many generations to come not just you know not just for a couple of years but generations like decades um then it, it actually goes to yeah it goes to say about how, how what he's talking about with joy I mean he he put a lot of energy into that film and he did it because he wanted to help children have um this fun um you know create another world and for it to be for teenagers and Go on this exciting adventure. Yeah, and you know that's what he did, and what he what he's created is more than pleasure. It was more than a fleeting film. It was joy. It was a, a whole universe that so many people are so versed on, and it's still being reinterpreted and recreated today. So yeah, he's an amazing, an amazing artist, and um, I mean, there's so many amazing artists, but yeah, definitely, definitely up there, definitely one of the top, top film creators of all time. Absolutely, I agree with that, and with that. 
we will conclude today's episode. Thank you very much, Jess, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I really, no really appreciate it. This was a really fun conversation and it was interesting getting an insight into your lifestyle and your career and understanding how you became the woman that you are today and um, what you've achieved and stuff like that. So I wish you luck with all your future endeavours. And, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Caleb. And for everyone listening at home, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and hopefully you've taken something positive away from this and uh, hopefully the message that George Lucas I've played for you here um, has resonated in some meaningful way. It definitely resonated yeah. with me when I heard it. So. It's about joy. Absolutely. So with that, I will leave you. And uh, thank you very much for watching or listening wherever you are around the world. And uh, I will catch you in another video.